Bull Bluff and then White Heath. Mr. Coin gathered in by Britannicus. Britannicus a half, three quarters, and the Harry de Young is his to savour. Britannicus by two from Mr. Coin. Welcome to Bet Doctor Behind the Curtain Look at How Pro Punters Operate. I'm your host, Scoot. I'm joined by the punters punter, DK. Hello, Scooty, yes, fresh up a little freshen up, but uh, I'm back, mate, back in town. Man on fire and Darcy Spinks hey, back hey from guys. the COVID yeah. lockdown. Imposed freshen up, yes. haven't you? Yeah, we're back. We're what happened refreshed. there? What happened there, Darcy? What happened there? Oh, I just got locked up, actually, because I was in, in Byron Bay. Bay. Byron Bay, yeah. Came back and they put me into isolation. I was meant to be in isolation for 14 days, but I got out early because I got you? an exemption because right. I wasn't at the same place as someone with COVID. Anyway, long oh, story okay. short, I'm out. You're out, you're back. <laughs> Bit of comment there. Back. We missed you. We had Nico there. It was all right, but we think Darcy preferred Darcy there, mate, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> a nice little uh, whack, but uh, it's been a really big week. I made the trek over to Oakbank on uh, Saturday. How big? A little bit of a hit and run mission. The champ, Britannicus. Britannicus. Got the money in the big jumps race there, the Harry Young, is it? Yeah, the Harry, Harry then, D. Young. So there you were on the TV getting interviewed, so fantastic. Yeah. It was a bit of a buzz. I, I sort of just morphed into a mad fan a little bit. I think uh, similar to you, I think we'll, get, we'll try and get the vision up in the next couple of shows, but... It's it's amazing. Like there's a big syndicate of guys in this horse, and Cam Cook found the horse ages ago, and I think we got forty or fifty percent. I can't remember. It was that long ago, a couple of years ago, and yeah, all all our good mates are in it, and Dad and I were the only two that could go across. So we got lucky. Uh, a bookmaker, Alan Goody, helped us get in, and um, I think the CEO Shane Collins there was was brilliant as well. So the hospitality at Oakbank's first class, and I don't know if you've been to Oakbank, but even Darcy would love it. It's just a carnival atmosphere in the inside of the track. There's tents, there's barbecues. Big the Baggin was there. He had his own little little tent. There's bookies. There's just carnage everywhere. And I can imagine what it would be like with 50 or 60,000. I think there's only maybe 10 or 15 or 12,000 in this day and age. But then there was all this action on the inside of the course and then on the outside of the course where it's more of a traditional race racing setup. It's a carnival atmosphere there. The food and the drink and everything, it was just amazing. It's a its a great place. And the best part is it's in the middle of the Adelaide Hills. Yeah, it's a bus, it's a bus trip up for, mm. and it's only a bus, bus ride up from, from Adelaide or whatever. But I was, if, I was saying, that's the hope next year, Scooty, that we all get. Is he going to go back? Britannicus? Yeah, well, if he goes back next year. At Oakbank, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it might be his joint Oakbank. I mean, we'd like to see him fire up at the bull, <laughs> but uh, Oakbank might be his track. And I was, going, I was thinking, well, next Easter, we'll just get a huge crew over there. It'll be enormous, you know, mm. yeah. big trip. I sort of, yeah, I mentioned uh, to a couple of people in the owner's room and, uh, you know, gave a little bit of background about Little Birdie and they were licking their lips at the idea of a stream and um, I had a little chat to Kelton and uh, Bagman, Johnny Kelton, and those guys would be keen to do it as well. But, uh, yeah, I think I've got to do it properly next time. Got to go over there on a Thursday, Friday, take the missus, stay in the wine region and uh, I just wouldn't, you know, the next day, just a, a Sunday at a winery just to yeah, to mate, celebrate uh, or just otherwise and support the, support the game. It's it's 30 minutes from the airport. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's an absolute layup, yeah. uh, Oakbank. So if you're thinking or if you always want to go to Oakbank, make sure you check it out. Um, and you remember, people probably don't, they've only been sort of tuned in the last few years. Back in our, well, when I was growing up or whatever, and the Oakbank races come on over East, it was huge. Mm. There was people everywhere. There was, it was, like I said, it was a carnival atmosphere. Inside the track, they had two race callers. They'd switch from one race call to the other because they couldn't see. So it used to be Terry McCauley for Ron Paps or whatever it was. Because mm. And then that was just added to it as well. And the jumps, it's just, yeah, great, great. That seems great. So hopefully that, that, that'll build up again, Scooty. Yeah, it was uh, it was a complete buzz, and I think if we get uh, Borco to chuck up the replay. The last last couple of hundred meters with uh, with Britannicus was amazing. Like as an owner, you got a different experience when you're watching the race. Like for me, I never thought he was home or anything like that. But when he sort of loomed up outside the leader and hit the front, it, it, it's just like a feeling that you can't describe can't can't, until you're sort of there. You cannot imagine how good it is, and just the shape of the track, and I, I think color. the oh the pink on the outside and the grey. But he hasn't got much of a turn of a foot, this boy. But um, Ronan got off the horse, and he said this horse can jump over steeples, and he wanted just to keep going, and it sort of looked that way. He was full of running on the line, and he hasn't got the biggest turn of foot, but he's oh, got it would the, have been the big, exciting ears scooting when he's just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> I think. Uh, I just started at this stage just running down the hill onto the grass. Said, Jimmy, really? Jimmy Jordan spotted you. Said, the owner's just going nuts. Just flying down on the fence there. Oh, and Ronan oh, gave wow. the big salute. salute. But, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely yeah, fantastic. And it was just a big a big surprise. And to have your dad there, mate. I remember... Oh, unbelievable with the, the old man. The last race that my horse won was on my birthday. And I had my mum, my dad, my wife, my, my, my son was quite young then. So I had all my family there. And it just made it so much... More special. It was great. It was a great feeling of a winner, but to share with, it with yeah. share it with your dad would have been 
would have been awesome. Yeah, and my dad and grandfather got me into horse racing, so it was just, uh, yeah, I, you could see in the racing.com interview, I was just high yeah, on mum, life. Yeah. It was just so pumped, and dad yeah. was pumped, and we're just running around like, uh, you know, chooks with their yeah, head cut off. We're just so, 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 so buzzy. But, um, yeah, very hard to replicate that feeling. Yeah, so big thanks to uh, Cam Cook and Simon Wild. Uh, I think there's, the, you know, the jungle drums are beating for uh, a few people here. Obviously, we've got some sort of connection to Roller Dice Racing, uh, the Simon Wild Yard, and then John Kelton. He buys tried horses as well. So I think there's uh, a lot of people that want to start to race a couple of horses and we're keen to get in more and stuff like that. So if we can find the right sort of horses, we'll definitely uh, be in the market well, to if, race them. And well, if I was we don't need a big percentage to have fun. Even if that horse wasn't trained by Simon Wilde yeah. and you said, DK, your, your job's to pick the trainer yeah. for the next little birdie horse, mm. tried horse, I'll be picking Simon Wilde. Yeah. He's flying. Yeah. He's such a good trainer. And I said to you... I said to you, I think it was the other day, mm. I said, the best trainers, I'll tell you who the top trainers are. Yep. The top trainers are the blokes who can train a winner of the 955 yeah, at yeah. Mooney Valley and the winner of the Grand Annual. Yep. And that's Simon Wild, Kieran Maher, yep. Paddy Payne. They're the top trainers in my in my, in my my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah, the range is just, they're just not yeah. one-dimensional trainers. No, they're great. Now, uh, it, was just, it was Easter just gone, and I'll tell you what, DK, you're the Easter bunny, I reckon. You uh you rolled out the subs for April. Yeah. March was sort of a break even break month, even, and then month. you rolled out the dollar ten subs we for did. April just to give everyone uh, a nice little fill up. But I tell you what, would let's get a replay of one of the most impressive wins. I sort of missed it and caught the replay. It was at Warwickville. The horse was screwed down, and I couldn't believe my eyes on Sunday when I saw how big a win this was. This was four wide the journey. And you can see it just well, trucking into the race yeah. in the blue and white spots with the red cap. Yeah. Hit the front nice and early, 1,200 metres, and it's been four and five wide the whole time. I'm thinking, yeah. oh, God, here we go, another sick beat. Yeah, with the main, with the best-backed runner coming in the, red, in the red cap after it, which was Mitch, Mitch Friedman, first starter, which was always worried there's a stack of money for it, and this horse just dug in. Mm. Um, I'm thinking it's a really nice horse. Uh, it's done two things now. Like It, it, it was on debut. That's why I liked it, because it did something on debut, got held up, and but still found the line. And then there it sat four or five wide. I, I was on the cards that, and I didn't mind her rolling forward on it. I've done the post race and the sectionals, and she did the right thing. I don't want to sit in midfield there trying to slot in or drag it back. Just roll on it, mm. you know. Especially if it's a Paul Pushka's nice strong. That would be the instruction before you get caught wide. You roll forward on it. Um, it's a leader's leaderish track. Very important to get around the tight turn there. A lot yeah. of horses. If you do the replays on that meeting the other day, a lot of horses hang around that turn. Um, so she had nice momentum into that turn. And I'm thinking it's a nice horse. That is a horse to follow. That horse screwed down. It'll be it'll be winning big, bigger, 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 and better races than that. Mm. It's been a, a massive start for April. We just got well, the great. Yeah. yeah, the graphic up on the screen now. DK's tip five out. Oh, sorry, four, four out of five winners, and he's just uh, raced away to a nine and a half unit and, profits. It's uh, and some exciting watches there, Scooty. Not just screwed oh. down like the thing <laughs> at um, Night Hustler at Werribee. Yeah, like I was a bit, we're a bit, a little bit critical on. Um, Joe Bowditch there. He put it into reverse. I love that He put it in reverse <laughs> on the turn. But having done the, again, done the post race and looking at it through clear eyes, John Allen rode the second horse sensational, mm. which was Trent Bazustin, of course, who I just sunk the <laughs> boots into on the podcast earlier in the morning. I said, don't tell me it's going to beat me. This will, will be the stone end. But then it was good on Sunday. We had John Allen on our team with the Cisco's kid, which was a thing that was heavily backed at stall. And um, I, in my comment, I said, this is going to need a cracking ride out through the outside barrier. Yeah. And it did settle last, burst up. So I wasn't sure what it was going to do. So we sort of probably put my skirt on a little bit, saying half stake. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, the change of tactics came through. and said, no, we're going to go forward. And he just rolled and rolled and rolled on it and won by three links. God bless it. And um, got everyone home on Easter Sunday. And, uh, yeah, no, it was good, Scooty. So hopefully, um, yeah, we're just that, that's our game. That's, that's what we said, out wide, Warwick Nabil, stall. You know, that's black shorts for me, and um, I'm glad people can see I can find a winner, Scooty, because I haven't been able to find one in the live stream, so people might have had a still a few question marks over the DK. <laughs> Who but, is this uh, bloke? Ring in. Ring, yeah, but um, no, so that was good. No, nah, it's been a big, big week, and you've had a couple of days freshen up. Yeah, that's Bendigo. it. Went up to, uh, took the, just, yeah, cause I just took the kids up to Bendigo, sort of didn't really want to head out of the state too far away, but um, yeah, went to, we're supposed to be going up to see Juppie, our mate Anthony Jupp, yeah. the mayor of Bendigo. And I was going to catch up with him and the family for dinner on uh, Monday night. But unfortunately, Juppie had an accident there on uh, Saturday. Went backwards into a hole with the star picket and took half his leg off, broke his ankle and things like that. So oh, uh, thoughts and prayers, Juppie. Hope you're sitting all right on the couch there at home, mate. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Mm. So just a quiet couple of jars up in... Bendigo? Yes, well, uh, yeah, it was by myself in the end. So I was supposed to catch up with Juppie <laughs> for a beer. And I... Um, 
yeah, so anyway, I was speaking of that, I was, I was um, winning the bar, beer o'clock, we stayed at the joint, at the, uh, the All Seasons there, beautiful big joints, got the pub and everything attached, and um, might have went in there for beer o'clock, sitting there by myself, no one really had chat to, so I opened the phone, opened up Twitter, and there's dead said 300 notifications, I said, what's happened here? <laughs> and then Scoots, I'll say Scoots put this thing out, we've had, there's been a problem with Warnable, the Warnable thing, and... Um, so I said, Scooty, what's happened here? You've set the cat amongst the pigeons here. So what, 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 what did happen, Scooty? It was an open letter or something you wrote? You've had a problem there with the CEO or something? Yeah, well, we've, we've been trying, you know, a lot of our fans and a lot of our punters want to try and get on course to, to do a live stream or a punters club or something like that. And I guess the tweet's there to be seen. I guess, that, yeah, at Little Birdie TV, I put a letter out just to clarify our position. We've been trying for months, since February, um, to try and get a live stream or just try and get a marquee. You know, we di- we've downgraded every pros- possible option just to have a presence there or be there because there's a lot of our punters going to be on track there that want to bet. They want to bet with the bookies um, and they want to turn over a lot of money. So it's just got to the stage where it's just all too hard. And there's been a clear issue with the TAB from day dot. Um, and that's why we said that, we'd, you know, we wouldn't do a punters club. We'd just have a marquee. We'd have a space. And um, we just kept making all these adjustments and downgrades via email correspondence. And it, it's just got to the stage where it's just all too hard. And I think, you know, we waited over after Easter to see if we could get a, a spot that was, you know, remotely near the betting ring. So it wouldn't be a sort of a 10 minute commute between races because it's really difficult for us people would just be like ants marching back and forth to the marquee and at, at the start of it it was just like oh you can have thursday up on the far hill where you go to watch the the big jumps race and then then it became like, oh no you can have two days um in section six or section two and then all of a sudden thursday we couldn't do and then it's back to tuesday wednesday and then pre-easter i spoke to tom on the phone and i said look you know what's the issue here and it was clearly because tab didn't want us to be in a, in a good spot and it would have you know caused world war Two. and i said yeah okay i understand that we'll just let us know what you want to do and you know we just want to see a quote and we want to just see if it's viable i'll buy 100 memberships we'll put a match to twenty thousand dollars it's going to be an expensive like cost to us but we'll just try anything to get on course and just like it's got to a stage now where after easter we got basically told we can have the grand plateau which is again it's it's miles away and it's not what we wanted the first place so yeah like we we set we sent the tweet out and then all of a sudden we get a response finally but that's what it had to take to to actually get a physical quote back and to be back in the realms of getting on course so for us just the mental gymnastics is just too much now and we're just got to like move on with it. We're still going to bet. We're still going to try and put something together, but we just won't be on course. Like since then, I've had multiple CEOs from other racetracks, um, you know, slide into our DMs. There's a lot of support. There's talk about the Swan Hill Cup Carnival. Ooh, that'd be right. Like right. there's a three-day carnival up there. Magnificent. If we can get up on course there and and we're welcome there, we'll we'll would love to try and it's put on a live stream. It's, it's it's not an e- an easy thing to do. There's a lot of work that goes into it. We're mm. only a small team here. We're a brand new startup. We're trying something different in racing and. Um, a lot of work goes into it and it's just three and a half weeks turnaround for like the av crew and all the stuff like all the staff and trying to fly guys in that do form and and to try and win and turn it all around it's um it's oh. it just got to a stage where we you know we can't persist with it but um it's disappointing and like i'm disapp- like i'm disappointed that we couldn't do it we love the ball i'm sure tom o'connor's a great guy i'm sure he's trying to do um as best he can but he's in a in a rock and a hard place um with i guess his major sponsor tabcorp and then um and then trying to accommodate everyone with COVID and us so i don't really want it to be a war about you know anything other than what it was it was us just trying to get a presence down there and the sad thing is like we're still going to have punters down there now but um you know there's there's nothing we can do now to 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 make it you know to make it right or or anything like so like our punters will still be there we might we might try and do something with the cali hotel or um with the wilds i got a golf day on the sunday but um we saw it we just the energy and three and a half weeks to turn it around it's just it's done and dusted for us so we're going to try and focus on the swan hill cup and and we're just going to try and find um get you up there dust we get it up to swan hill yeah Yeah, that'd be nice beautiful part of the world in uh, the start of winter yeah today's show we're going to talk about adelaide we've got beat the bagman back on we've got the port adelaide guineas and he's another he's found another race that he's keen on there we've got casey mccutcheon he's going to preview caulfield he's got the chairman's and he's got an opening bet for race one on the card there and it sort of makes me think he's in a hotel quarantine in london and i think that uh racing is just the ultimate ho- ho- you know hotel quarantine sport. Where is he? he's in london 
I don't know. What's he doing? There? He might be on Aintree. I don't know what he's doing. We're going to catch up with him as well. It's going to be a very late hour. So a big thanks to Casey for dialing in and Dan, Daniel O'Sullivan from the. Oh, that's a good get. From the ratings bureau is going to come in and have a chat to us exactly about um, this new riding instructions rule that Racing Australia put out, and he's going to preview a couple of massive, massive group big ones: the Doncaster and the AJC Derby. And the heavens have opened. It is Sydney racing, and they've had a bucket load of rain overnight. I see uh, Sydney Journal reporting that. So it's a heavy now at Randwick, is which is just unbelievable. And it's going to get back to a slow, is the forecast there. But um, super, super big show, uh, very up and about. It's a massive weekend in racing and sport, and we're looking to bet as much as we can. But uh, if you're doing the form, DAS. Puntingform.com.au, Australia's best online form guide and database. The biggest and best betting syndicates use Puntingform's raw data, and you can access it too. Up next, we're going to talk Adelaide with Shane Adair. Welcome back to Bet Doctor. Behind the curtain, look at how pro punters operate. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got DK, the punter's punter, and Darcy Spinks. And it's time to talk to someone that knows lots about Oakbank and lots about Adelaide racing, and that is Beat the Bagman, Shane Adair. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Nice to be on a bet, Doctor, once again. As you said, huge weekend in South Australia last week with Oatbank, and it rolls into our carnival now. We basically have black type racing now for the next month. So, as I've always been saying, South Australia is the place to be. It is. It was outstanding being over at Oatbank and oh, beautiful yes. weather. They turned it on. It was great weather in Melbourne, but it's 30 degrees. It was nearly a little bit hot for my liking, but uh, beat the bag when I saw him uh, on the inside circle and he had the tent and the full the full uh, kit and caboodle the there. Caboodle. I texted him before the races and I said, what are you doing over there? Are you you're there to bet or are you there for social? He said, mate, I'm doing it both. I'm doing I've all of it. Family, <laughs> the whole shooting match. Yeah, well done on Britannicus too, Scoot. Excellent result for you and the team and uh, tens into about $4. I think someone's cleaned up there. Yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't all our money, and uh, I think it was eight fifty at Top Sport after scratchings from uh, race morning. So someone's had a good look at it. It uh, definitely wasn't me. I was heavily invested in a Pushka runner at Warwickville that I forgot to tip out. It was three bucks into two bucks. I had a bigger bet on it than my own horse, but he's just not quite a betting proposition. But uh, hopefully, he can continue, and hopefully, we can get back to Oakbank. And definitely, I'll be there next year. We'll be definitely going um, with or without Britannicus. Might make it a three or four day event there. I could think nothing better than just to spend some time in Adelaide Hills and uh, bet. We'd have some good hosts over there, the Bagman and oh, Kelton and all that too, showing us the uh, no, Yeah, we, we can look after you, DK. That's Get it, your bags packed, mate. Easter time <laughs> in South Australia. That's it. That's it. I think it's the least we could do for the winners of Money Valley Nights. Get over there and support SA Jumps Racing and support the Oak Bank Carnival. It is unbelievable. Make sure you put it on the radar. And I think in September, they also have a big jumps meeting over there as well. So there's plenty of opportunity to get to Adelaide. It is a great spot. And as Bagman says, it's time to get stuck into the SA Carnival. And let's get straight into the action at Morfordville on Saturday. We've got the top sport market up on the screen now. And we're looking at race six, the 36 South Beef Handicap. Darcy, market movers there. Yep. So we have the favourite Reynolds at was $5.50, now $4.20. Number 10, Crown Harmonium, $6.50. And number three, Bottom line at six dollars. Now the replay, Shane, that you want us to get up is Reynolds, and this is a Hong Kong, an ex-Hong Kong horse, and it was having its first start at Oakbank last time over the fourteen hundred meters. It was a tricky one. It was uh, two dollars thirty or something into uh, two ten for memory, and I was I was in the flesh watching it, and I couldn't believe my eyes. I didn't really uh, get time to back it myself, but I was kicking myself. This horse looks like it will improve from that run. It was a bit flighty. Um, they were really worried with putting the uh, the winning sort of uh, rug on it after the race. It has a fair bit of head noise, this horse, but let's have a look at uh, its last start win here. Yeah, as you said, Scoot, this is, uh, this is last weekend at Oatbank. Look, just held up tight at the top of the straight here for a run, but once it saw daylight, it sprinted very clearly. And um, look, I think, as you said, it will be greatly improved. Get rid of that Hong Kong form. Just take that away from your, your psyche. We'll go from the one start, one win from the Michael Hickmont yard. Just Eaton stays on. It's only meeting a benchmark 60 field here today. And when Marcus went up, they uh, stepped in early. I'm happy to keep backing it at that $4.50 quote. I think we'll start shorter than that on the day. 
And uh, as I said before, a lot of these horses at this benchmark 60 have reached their level. I don't think there's anything actually on the rise. Reynolds definitely won like a horse that is going to win more races than a benchmark 60 in Adelaide. I think it can get the cash for us in race six. DK? It, didn't, it, didn't it beat up on complete walkers there, Bagman? Wasn't that like a Hoffman? It did. I actually snuck in the placings there too, DK. So that's how slow they were going. But uh, look, as I said, I think they... I think what he's beaten there, he was only going to be improved by the run. As Scoot said, he was pretty hot in the yard. I... I've no doubt those horses behind him from Saturday will probably not be winning a race anytime soon, but I think Reynolds is the horse on the up, meeting a field of horses that are probably at their level. Exactly, and he jumps 100 metres, and I think that was just a barrier trial. And, and to back a horse up a week later just suggests to me that he was just there for an absolute kill last last time. And I just love the way. It was sort of similar to that horse that you backed at Werribee. He was stuck in behind him in the red, red cap there, and then he just was like, I know he wasn't against much, but it looked a little bit push-button. He had absolute lengths on that, that field, and it was abs- as soft as butter that win. It was a complete kill. So if, if Bagman's saying that this is a weak race... I don't think it's beyond him. Yeah, and that's what you want to see first up. Mm. Yeah, he's had a nice soft kill. Yep. Beautiful stuff, Bagman. Uh, nice backable price there, 420 with topsport.com.au. Let's have a look at race seven now, the Port Adelaide Guineas. We've got uh, market up, or the odds up on the screen now, and there's a couple of familiar horses here for the uh, Eastern State followers. Dars, market movers. Yep. So we have Chica Forte at $2.60. Ecumenical at $4.20 and Let's Caraca Deal at $5.50. A mm, couple of tongue twisters there for yeah. Das, but uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts here, Bagman? Well, I guess uh, viewers of the Money Nights will remember Chica Fuerte winning at Mooney Valley. And if you can cast your memory back, it was on a bit of a monorail that night and uh, got a very soft lead out in front and just fell in at Mooney Valley. Look, I'm laying this to my nosebleeds pretty much at $2.60 against this field. Uh, I'd have it marked a lot longer. I'm not saying it can't win, but I can't have it at $2.60. I think there's plenty of pace drawn in the events. I think less Karak could do, Ecumenical. It is hard to say, Das. It will uh, <laughs> definitely push forward as well. I actually thought Royal Mile had around that $12 mark. Could get a nice run just behind the speed and pop out and be right there at the finish. I thought it looked a bit of an each-way prospect at around that $12, but um, really getting stuck into laying Chica Fuerte at around $2.60. DK? Yeah, I was, couldn't couldn't agree more with Shane. We were, we were all there that night, and we were sort of saying how unimpressive it was, and it did get soft late in betting there, didn't it? Uh, love sensation. Yeah, I think they backed, they backed to, um, mm. to beat it, so it got quite soft, which may have been because it was off the hard run the start before, but... Uh, no, I'm with Jane. You've sort of got these things that can go up short because they've got the figures in the in the black type races before. But in these sort of races, you've got all these improvers. These lightly raced untapped things like Royal Mile, who's a dead set line finder, that horse. Mm. Really like him. Um, and uh, yeah, there's others, even like a horse like Valenetti's big odds to me because she's she's a really improving type from over here. And um, she could she could go. She's, she's got a, yeah, she's got a pattern where she could really improve off as well. So, yeah, no, I'm, I think Bagman's on the right tram there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't dive into it at 260, and even a horse like Let's Crack a Deal, the morning from the Guineas, there's a lot stronger form lines, but as he said, I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of progressive horses here, so it uh, it does pay to look outside the obvious, and uh, that's what we hang our hat on. And uh, if you're betting and you want to stay in the game long-term, you need to look outside the obvious. Any uh, any final thoughts, Bagman, or are you just absolutely on the steel, ready for uh, the Big May Carnival? Oh, we're uh, champing at the bit, mate. This is uh, as big as it gets. It's Christmas here in South Australia. We've got the Adelaide Crows, Port Adelaide. They're doing well. Racing has uh, <laughs> got black type all over for the next month. As I said, mate, get those bags packed. Get over here. Very cheap flight. And the discounted flights, I think it was 140 return. I think I got over yeah, for like $59 and then back for $88. It was an absolute steal. So if the government are still offering up cheap flights, it's, uh, it's a good day trip and uh, very good for a hit and run. Thanks very much, Bagman. Loved having you on and uh, can't wait to get back over in Adelaide and support your racing. Thanks, guys. Great work with the show. Keep it up. If you're having a bet this week, Das, you are betting with... Topsport.com.au, family owned and operated for 35 years. Bet with a bookmaker you can trust. Bet with topsport.com.au. Up next, we're going to dial in Casey McCutcheon, aka Mintbet, live from London Town. He's probably with the Queen.
Welcome back to Beck Doctor, behind the curtain look at how pro punters operate. I'm your host Scoot, got DK the punters punter and Darcy is back. It's a little bit of a sliding doors moment here. We've got Darcy out of COVID lockdown and we've got Casey in self-isolation over in the UK. Case, big effort coming on the show, burning the midnight oil. Welcome back, big fella. Dang, great to uh, be with you. Bet Doctor has gone international. Um, <laughs> I've just popped over to the motherland just to grab yourself a warm beer and take in, you know, front row seat for the end of the world. In isolation for 10 days, so plenty of time to just sharpen up on some form. Have a look at this card. It's on Saturday, but, uh, geez, it's nice to be taking in some uh, some of the uh, feature sport. We've got the Masters starting tomorrow. I'll get to watch that at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Ooh, I'm watching luxury. the soccer at 8 p.m. at night. It's gorgeous. <laughs> so there are some upsides, but... Uh, yeah, trying to stay uh, clear of the Rona. Horse racing lends itself perfectly to COVID. It's an awful time, but uh, and even hotel quarantine and self-isolation, you can just settle in with a cuppa, the punningform.com.au form guide, and you can just watch all the races you like. It's uh, it's a glutton special for horse racing, isn't it? What time, what time are the races on over there? What time will Caulfield be on? Yeah, cool. Melbourne, not ideal. I'll not probably ideal. be, uh, well, you know, in the middle of the night, early hours of the morning. So uh, we're nine hours behind. And, but they have to do with the Aintree Carnival that starts tomorrow as well. So it's the oh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday that. Carnival for the Grand National. So I'll be tuning into a bit of Paul Elster on YouTube. Uh, I'll post his tips. He tipped the, uh, the 101 pop at Cheltenham. Yeah, so uh, I'll just be following a bit of his mail for Aintree and seeing what can uh, what can come of things, considering 150 to one shot one at... Uh, the Irish Grand National uh, only a few days ago. Outstanding work, Case. Can't wait to see that. At Mintbet, Casey will uh, post those tips. So if you're up late and watching Aintree, fantastic carnival, would love to get there one day. Might have, to get a, might have to get a racing tour. I'll tell you what, we'll just be touring everywhere and just betting yeah. our brains out. And, Little birdie racing tools, mate. Uh, yeah. We, we want to go to the Masters. Yeah. I'll tell you what, that'd be good. You go Oak Bank Jet over to uh, Augusta and then Aintree. <laughs> wow. It, uh, it'll be hard to keep up there, but uh, Case, let's uh, let's get on to serious business and let's look at Caulfield Race 1. We've got the odds up on the screen now, courtesy of totsport.com.au. Uh, race 1's a 1,200-metre handicap, and Darcy, any market movers there? Yeah, so we have Cheerful Legend, $2.90 to $2.60. He's Exceptional, $4.60 to $4.20. Hunnam at $4.20, and Lucky Decision at $5.50. Now, Case, we have got a replay of Money Valley Knights Race 1 up on the screen now, the last 400 there. Talk us through why this rate replay is important. Hunnam's back buried on the fence. Yeah, it is. Hunnam's race was over as soon as they stepped out the gates, um, and it was, you know, a glorified jump out for it. It's the one in the wide on the rail just behind horses and barely being ridden out. But the one that gets home for second, is he's exceptional on that. So the one I sort of... The race piqued my interest because I wanted to see where Hunnam went after this race. Um, I'd like the horse. The one that's running uh, running home there in about lanes three and four is he's exceptional. Now, I thought we might be getting sort of six bucks or better about it. And the way it got home in what we obviously knew that night to be the probably one of the worst parts of the track um, just makes you want to follow it a little bit. I think uh, the way it travelled in the race there made it uh, you know appeared that 1200 would suit and um and i was pretty you know pretty keen if i'm getting sort of six bucks or better about it that um it, it might represent a little bit of value now the leader of the race has come out um run the shadow so uh did a bit of form on this race and, and expected it to be leading so um i noticed the money's come for cheerful legend which um which is probably and that's the other reason i thought we could wait a little bit on he's exceptional and maybe get a bit of a drift to a bit of value on the price hunnam um i expect money for hunnam expect money for cheerful legend that's already sort of they already had a nibble but um he's exceptional was the one i thought might get out to a backable price be sitting out from gate seven and um and have a good crack at them with a clear run being that good part of the track. So the other thing I wanted to talk, talk about is we're at 10 metres here uh, at Caulfield on Saturday, and uh, we also might be dealing with a bit of a westerly. You know, I love a, a bit of a wind map scoot. So <laughs> just sitting off the speed with a bit of cover and ready to be the fresh one on the scene might be what I'm – well, it's what I was looking for in some of these races when I'm doing the forms. So he's exceptional thought it might be one that could be finishing over the top here. But Dewful Legend's got the class points on the board. Um, ran a good race in the size, 
month off from that run was back to 1200 meters just a little maybe pot but you know i can i can understand that the, it'll start a firm favorite as i said i like hunnam i just don't know about uh, where it's going to get if it and it missed the kick uh, at the valley uh, it's run well run well since uh with john mcneil but if it gets back on the fence he might have a little bit of a job to do again so he's exceptional is the one i um took a little bit of interest in and i thought if we wait and get sort of around the five to one mark it might be a little bit of a play just to try and land a little early blow uh, and get the pot going for uh, for the meeting on Saturday. Any thoughts there, DK? Uh, no, I know most of these horses. A cheerful legends, yeah, it's getting deep in the first prep, coming back in distance of a month off. There's a few crews at short odds for mine. Uh, he's exceptional. Yeah, I've got, got to agree. Hunnam, Nico was kicking up for it last week, yeah, remember? Yeah, yep. Um, I thought it was only... Well, I had the one line and had every chance. Mm. No, no or whatever it was, went straight past it, like... 100 miles an hour, so I'm um, not sure on Adam. And I'm um, sorry he's got the gear change back on. They've gone back to the gear he had on at Mooney Valley, so maybe that might switch him on. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be a race I'd be getting too involved in personally. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I do notice that uh, from that Money Valley Nights, that where it was just inside, uh, like Travelator, I call it, but there's a lot of horses that have run on really well against the pattern there that are just starting to filter in. There's a couple of horses that are, are running and they're starting to pop their heads up. So it'll be interesting to see how these horses that run on against the bias uh, turn up. One of them that I can recall is September Run. I thought she bounced yeah. back super so, uh, in the Manicato and, and she now uh, goes to the TJ Smith. So exactly. So if I'm doing mm. the post race on that meeting, mm. they're the horses I'm marking down mm. not Hunnam no exactly Hunnam had bias in his favor though he did look unlucky but then he's gone and had every possible the other day and didn't really go on with it off the you know in in a normal pattern race so mm. they're the ones that get the, the reverse the pattern rather than pattern assisted that get the ticks in my book good call case uh, the other race or the the big feature there is the chairman's handicap race seven odds are up on the screen now thanks to topsport.com.au market movers for the chairman's das please yeah, so we have Moican Heights at $5.50, now $4.80. Lord Belvedere at $6 and Yonkers $7 into $6.50. I think, thought you'd be a fan of Belvedere Vodka. Case, uh, what are your thoughts here? We've got the Lord Belvedere uh, replay just in the queue here and it's uh, there's a couple of uh, really good chances here. That Persan, we saw it, uh, it last start and he's uh, very much on the improve. Thoughts here, Lord Belvedere, just uh, hooking to the outside with a big white face. This is it. This is what he, what he does best. So we want to get him rolling outside horses and just running over the top of a few, you know, a few notable names here. Persan uh, probably heading that list that went on and ran a bottler in the Melbourne Cup and uh, obviously won the Bart Cummings the start after this. This was a third win on the bounce, so you could have put up a number of replays for this horse, but uh, it was just flying last winter. Uh, won three opening uh, open uh, open company races on the bounce. They were all at headquarters, but obviously is trained here at Caulfield, so probably um, you know obviously take some confidence from that. Um, it was it almost died a colic this horse before before that last winter prep, and and came, got obviously had an operation and, and got back into things. Won won those races, and was progressing beautifully. Um, so I just thought at the $6, um, I'm, I know it's second up, but I think uh, it's had two jump outs going into that Mornington Cup. The Mornington Cup got crowded up between horses off that slow speed and never really got room to move and, and do what it does best, which is, you know, sit back and launch. So has a great 400-metre run in it, which, you know, again, should be suitable for Caulfield. I just think it's got that residual fitness that it didn't have last prep. So second up here, not too bad. You know, I can trust it, but I'll be following, uh, you know, those yard watches. If we get the Nico Noonan market mail, I'll be very keen to see what they think of it in the yard if it's ready to go. It's, as I said, two jump outs and a, and a mile and a, a half run. Uh, I think it's ready to go. And I thought six bucks for a horse that's um, got all the credentials here, ticked a lot of boxes going to have Zara, it's going to bury a nine suits to get that free rolling run. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a pretty good race and a few open, um, you know, it's open race, but uh, the price, $6, I was very happy to sort of have a nibble now, just in case uh, there is a bit of money for it, because we'll, we'll know by race time whether it's uh, wound up and ready to go. If it is, I think it's the one. Any thoughts there, DK? Uh, well, it's basically a field of uh, imports. Of imported stays, um, so not really my cup of tea. I just those those mornings and races they came out of. I mean, the Mickey the, Mouse, the Mohican Heights was run at barrier troll tempo, <laughs> and then Mount Popper was run at slower than barrier troll tempo. So, 
Um, going around them, I saw Yonkers beat Home Skylab uh, there a start or two ago, and I know Yonkers, he um, he had his first start in a race down here at Benalla and went really yeah, one day, that. so he's always been on my radar a little bit, and then I actually backed him at Gosford. I remember I said to Mark Rowe, <laughs> I, I said... I couldn't believe I missed that, yeah, that day. Yeah, yeah, so I said to him, oh, has this got any hope? He said, yeah, I've got it on top, so then I'll... First and only ever bet at Gosford, we've got the money, but um, yeah, uh, six to one, to five to one, the field, a field of imports, um, but yeah, no, probably I'll be, yeah, you can... This case is probably a better idea than me, so Lord Belvere, we all know him, he's pretty solid horse. Outstanding stuff. Case, uh, we'll let uh, let you hit the hay, mate. Massive, massive effort to uh, stay up to probably, what is it, 12.30 or, or something, nearly 1 o'clock. But uh, as you say yourself, you do your best work after midnight, don't you, big fella? I do my best, mate. Probably, uh, you know, past those those years, but you know that used to be the that used to be the go. But yeah, very interesting race set uh, race day Saturday with the handicaps, the open handicaps, um, and all the good jockeys. Well, you know, the top liners are up in Sydney, so uh, just got to take a little bit of working through these these fields and uh, and have a look at, at where things fall. But uh, it's a quite an interesting card and. Uh, Mate, if you need me to grease some palms at Royal Ascot for a uh, little birdie tour, uh, <laughs> just let me know. I'll uh, I'll start having those conversations. What uh, What was your favourite night spot spot back in the day? Were you a uh, a star bar man, or were you a uh, Q bar man, or a, a seven nightclub sort of fan, or spy lounge? Where did you do your best work? Mate, I don't know about these Sunday venues, but I was in bed by Sunday. I uh, Used to just do a little bit of work in the northern suburbs, uh, you know, but pretty low-key venues. Maybe used to, buy a, I think probably as a young fella, cut my teeth at, uh, at Goo on uh, at the old Metro on uh, Burke Street. And, uh, you know, just had a few blokes take me under their wing in, in the, you know, the east. Maybe a few, uh, what was the, um, the old, uh, the G-Bung, a few of those old classics. Casey's Barb, Tuesday night, Toss the Boss. You know, there was a myriad of, uh, of uh, places we dipped our toes into just to help the development as a young man. My partner, Alana, used to work at Toss the Boss. I think that was one of her first jobs. Now, breaking news just on, on Twitter, uh, our man, or your man, Case, Azza, uh, Jason Azza Party, at Just Keep Punting. Well, there's, there's a little story developing here, uh, something that's just happened on RSN. Uh, well, he's about to launch just... the assaulter. Yeah, the assaulter from Malta just tweeted in, can Richie please confirm or deny if he sent an email to New South Wales trainers who booked Jamie Carr this week to sack her from rides? Question mark, question mark. At Little Birdie TV, at the Shark Tweet, at Rant Racing, at Mintbet. So he's trying to see what the uh, the truth is here. And then Richie Callender's retorted and he said, not that I need to reply, but that is 100% not true. And then so as is fired back and he says, thanks for replying. RSN reported it on air this morning that you did as Jamie Carr didn't want to do media interviews this week. Perhaps they've been fed misleading information to report that. So, wow, that's a uh, that's a big news story coming out of Sydney. Jay Carr is one of the best riders in Australia. She's a product of South Australia, and we're starting to claim her as our own. She does uh, fantastic stuff with her partner, Clayton Douglas, down on Morning Peninsula. But, uh, oh, the assaulter from Malta. Now he's, uh, he's he getting around miss, the... Uh, hey? So you said he shoots pretty straight. So if he's got the big uh, big Richie ploys in the, in the crosshairs, <laughs> then uh, Richie might just have to be careful. Well, it's all heating up, and uh, it is the autumn carnival time. It's fantastic. Good luck over in the UK case. Have a ball. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the week of sport, and good luck at Caulfield on Saturday. Well, puttingform.com.au, Casey McCutcheon uses it, and this show does. Powered by puntingform.com.au. Access sectional times, benchmark data, and black book service. It's the ultimate place for all of your betting notes and form study. Punting form. Find your edge. Up next, we're going to talk to Daniel O'Sullivan from the Ratings Bureau. He's one of the most respected form analysts, and he's a very, very astute punter as well. He was absolute dynamite in my time in the bookmaking world. He is very, very hard to beat. He's going to talk Randwick, the big group ones. We've got the Doncaster and the Derby up there, and this new rule from Racing Australia about riding instructions. We're going to sink our teeth into that. I've got some notes marked. I'm sure DK's got an opinion, and Daniel O'Sullivan's been quite vocal on Twitter about it too. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll get Dan on the show up next. Welcome back to Bet Doctor, behind the curtain look at how pro punters operate. I'm your host, Scoot, and I've got DK, the punters punter here, and Darcy Spinks, and it's time to introduce a special guest. It's Daniel O'Sullivan from the Ratings Bureau. Big welcome to Bet Doctor. It's Danny O. Hey, guys. How are you? Mate, absolutely sensational. There's plenty happening, and uh, 
Can't wait for a massive, massive weekend in Randwick. I see the heavens have opened up, typical Sydney, and it's going to be a cracker. A couple of group ones on the card up there, and uh, it's great to have you previewing it. But uh, something it's, uh, that's been a little bit hot through the uh, the press in the last sort of week, and we'll get your tweet up on the screen now, is this new rule from Racing Australia, AR20, this ride instructions, or one, sorry, AR120A ride instructions, and we'll put your tweet that uh, that you sent up there. You said uh, this new rule, does it achieve anything? Trainers, owners issue instructions if they choose. Analysts offer advice, possible riding options. If asked, they don't issue the riding instructions and the jockey decides how to ride the horse. What will this rule police? And it's a real common sense tweet, I thought, in uh, the context of that press release. And uh, if you look in the summary of the riding instructions here, it says Racing Australia is aware of the increasing prevalence of person other than persons other than trainers and connections such as riders, agents and form analysts providing tactical riding instructions to jockeys. Racing Australia is of the view that this is inappropriate and may create integrity and perception. Isn't perception a great word of, uh, of 2021 <laughs> issues as well as potentially confusing jockeys who receive conflicting riding instructions. Accordingly, Racing Australia has approved the introduction of the new rule to deal with the provision and receipt of riding instructions. And it goes on to list uh, the rules around that. And it's going to be in effect as of May 1st. So uh, firstly, um, actually, I'll, while, while I'm there, I'll continue on to uh, the, next, uh, the next item. And that's uh, Matty Highland that's come out. And he's the Victorian Jockeys Association. He came out and there's an article there on, on racing.com. And this is his take on uh, on the rule itself. And so he said that uh, Racing Australia is on the view of a lot. might create an integrity and perception issues under the new rules, blah, blah, blah. He goes on to talk about what we've just spoken about there. And he said, we were consulted and asked to provide feedback. And essentially, this is just about clearing up and ensuring everyone knows the chain of command. If you look at the rule closely, it clearly states that the final instructions must come from the trainer. It's just clearing up all that process. I think it's muddy the waters, if anything. And here, Matt continues to say, jockeys can use the form analysts. They can access all the speed maps they want and everything else that is out there. It's just ensuring it's clear the final instructions come from. And that's obviously going to be the trainers and owners um, reading in between the lines there. For example, if they receive the advice from an analyst, they should ride on speed, but the trainer and connections want to run off the speed, then the final wish is that it lands with the connections, and that is what this rule finalizes. So it's there to give a clear chain of command. So I think from Matt's response there, I'm sort of more confused, and that's opened up more questions than answers for me. But uh, I'll open the floor to you, Dan, because I, I know you're a very respected form analyst, and um, obviously um, for you to tweet, you've obviously uh, got your goat up, or you're confused, or you want to clear the air as well. Yeah, look, I mean, the first thing I'll say is I have no vested interest in this. I mean, there's a few jockeys that I help casually um, if they contact me, but I have no relationship with jockeys, no commercial arrangement. So there's no self-interest in my thoughts on this. But I go back to what I said. I would have thought that the chain of command um, in terms of instructions has been pretty well established in racing for 150 years, that the trainers and or owners, if they want to insert themselves in, provide the instructions. And the jockey then decides what he wants to do. There's, you know, every single day jockeys ride horses contrary to instructions because that's what they choose to do or because something happens when when the gates open. So, you know, the fact to think that we need a rule to clarify that, firstly, doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, but fair enough if they want to put one into place. Um, there's natural consequences for jockeys if they ignore that that chain of command, and there always has been. If a jockey wants to ride against a trainer or owner's instructions, um, then then they run the risk of paying the price for that in terms of opportunities with that stable or owner and or gaining a reputation that they that they won't follow instructions. So uh, it doesn't seem to to serve any great purpose. To me, it sort of reads like you know, maybe one or two high-profile complaints about isolated issues and there's been a big knee-jerk reaction to it. Mm. Um, as I said in my tweet, I just don't know what they're trying to police. Like, what's the game? Are they trying to create a situation where if there's an inquiry about a ride, um, they can dig into a jockey's emails and phone messages and, and say that you rode contrary to instructions and, and took advice from someone else that so we're going to pin you for that? Um, that seems crazy to me. 
Uh, as I said, if there's a, a legitimate problem with the ride, then there's processes in place to, to deal with that, including the ability to analyse betting. And I think that's part of the broader implication, Scoot. When they said, you know, integrity issues, perception of integrity issues, they're implying that managers, analysts or whoever might try to unduly influence or at least have inside information and, and potentially trade on that. I mean, trainers and stable hands have been doing that since the invention of racing. So I don't see really what the what the issue is. And and as we said, if there is a problem with the integrity of a race, there's there's principles and policies well, well established to, to deal with that. So for all intents and purposes, it should just be play on. There should be no change to anything that happens. But my concern is that um, jockeys will uh, and this was pointed out to me by by a, a smart guy that's also in this side of the business, that jockeys may now start to be a little bit more cautious about the relationships they have with analysts and managers and, and the communication that happens um, for fear of that if someone does blow up about a ride, that it's going to start a process where stewards start digging into their messages and things like that. And, and we all know, you know, that can those waters can get very muddied and jockeys won't want to be a part of that they won't want to run the risk of, of having stewards going to that level just to try and ping them because there was a text message from an analyst or a manager suggesting that they ride a horse a certain way and and if that happens and, and jockeys do back away from getting some of that help for that reason then i certainly don't think that's to the betterment of racing so yeah look for me it should just be play on without it being a big deal um jockeys take advice from a whole range of parties trainers and owners issue instructions and the jockey decides how to ride the horse um but you know there are scenarios there that, that it might end up with a situation that's not necessarily for the for the better of racing i i, I think you strike a really good chord there and a good point it's punters and owners um and being on, on both myself I, I want the the jockeys to ride as smart as they can and not all jockeys are rocket scientists and some of them need help i'd i'm all for jockeys to, to try and figure out the race as best they can if if some jockeys need help with their form i think they should get it they're expected to ride five or six days a week they've got track work they've got all this noise in their head and if they can get someone to help them do their form the racing product at the end of the day will be a better product what are your thoughts on this dk yeah i've got a few different thoughts um so i probably years ago my best mate was a jockey and i uh offered advice um, he's a provincial jockey again, so he wasn't a rocket scientist or anything. Unlike these big jockeys in town, where the trainer says, "What are you going to?" The media asks the trainer, "What are you going to do?" We'll leave it to the rider. We'll oh. leave it to Craig Williams. Mm -hmm. We'll leave it to Jai McNeil. Let them work it out. See how the horses jump. As Dan says, things happen after the the gates open. Um, my guy, it was just a mate. The first thing he asked me it was about speed, because that's what the trainer's going to ask him. Mm. The trainer is going to say, "What's the speed here? What's the speed map? And what are the horses to follow and things yeah. like that?" Um, I, I would have. Ten years ago, I, I had an issue uh, that a leading Melbourne form analyst and punter was um, advising probably four or five of the top ten or twelve jockeys all mm. at once. Mm. Now, I had a personal probably. I just, well, oh, geez, got a big edge over me, you know. But I sort of had some sort of issue with that. Um, that's since been. I don't. It doesn't happen anymore. And that's so. If this rule came in back then or something to address something like that, integrity concerns. But it's 2021, and ten grizzlies. <clears throat> it's as strong as it's ever been. Um, I read Matthew Hyland's thing, and he's just saying it's just a clarification. Um, and there's been an overreaction and things like that. So, yeah, as, as I mean, Dan Dan speaks very clearly and everything, and and describes it. I mean, God knows how they're going to police it. Um, and then, as he said, who wants them digging into phones and emails and things like that? So, yes. Yeah, so, um, no, I, I just think it yeah probably muddies the waters a bit. Mm. To me, it looks like a, just a rule for Racing Australia, like a big stick for them. So if they find something they don't like or just want to run out of the game, they can just use this, like probably unfairly, you get someone they don't like. Because for me, you've got you got guys like, what does it mean for guys like Dean Lester and a jockey manager with multiple jockeys and multiple media gigs? It's like, uh, for me, it's just a blurry area. And for mine, I think there's only three people that can determine an outcome of the race. And that's the jockey and that's the trainer. And that's the vet. And as Dan says, if the trainer says to the jockey, ride it back, well, he'll have to ride it back or he'll get the sack. So I think the question about integrity here is, if you don't want the jockeys betting, well, the trainers shouldn't be able to bet and the vet shouldn't be able to bet because they're the ones that can ultimately like influence the race. So for, for example, if Chris Wallace says, I want this horse to go back and have a, a, a prep run, or for example, stay inside was a very quiet run in the Todman. We spoke about that for weeks. We want a really quiet ride. 
well, that horse is going to be out of the race and it's not going to be a winning chance or it's going to make life really, really difficult for itself. But that trainer can then go off and back whatever horse they like. And if they back a horse, they're effectively laying the rest of the field. And there's no rules about trainers backing opposition horses. So for me, if they're, going to, if they're worried about integrity, you need to stop the vets betting and you need to stop the trainers betting and the jockeys betting, which is just, that's just madness. It's, just, it's like they... They want anyone with an idea to not bet or to bet small or not at all, but then it's the red carpet for anyone that's just going to, you know, do their life or got no idea. Like it's it's ass about what it, any, anything there, Dan? Or oh, look, I think you hit the nail on the head. As I said, the the perceived integrity concerns that argument just carries no weight at all. As I said, there's processes in place to deal with those sort of issues, and there's countless other examples or, or pockets of the game where you could raise similar integrity concerns. So they're worried about analysts or managers betting because they might know how a jockey's going to ride a horse. Then it should be the same for trainers. It should be the same for stable staff. And, you know, we would all know stories over the years of things that have happened that, you know, perhaps if it was public knowledge would would earn the, you know, the ire of stewards sort of thing. So it it seems like a a very targeted... um, action or or strategy um, most likely in response to a very small number or isolated um, number of instances that perhaps um, someone in a a position of influences has really campaigned strongly for yeah and it says it's it's about this public perception i can't name a public case where an advisor has overruled what a trainer or jockey so like i haven't heard about and i'm completely engaged with the sport and something that's always been a bit of a laugh for me is this change of tactics rule, why would I tell... Like, you've never heard of Mick Malthouse sharing notes or telling Kevin Sheedy what he's going to do before the game. Like, racing's in this unique position where we're meant to give each other their tactics and then New South Wales put these speed maps up that they want everyone to ride to. Like, at the moment, they're trying to sanitise the product so much that it, it's, it's like they're trying to turn it into sort of cartoon racing and everything has to just run to this script and then it just doesn't make any sense. DK? Yeah, they're trying to police as much as I can, but I, I'm still... I mean, we saw the change of tactics with my horse stall on Sunday. It was very important to get that change of tactics. And for betting confidence, like I was, you know, half stake, not sure, because it might be out the back. And then all of a sudden, midday, through comes a change of tactics. We're going to try and lead. Now, that got my confidence right up. And if I had my time over again, I would send another email mm. out and said, don't worry about half stake. We can go your hardest. This horse is going forward, you know. So um, I don't mind things like that. But um, I know, I'll, see, I'll see your point, though, Scoot. Mm. For me, it uh, it seems like a bit of a witch hunt. If they've got a couple of issues with those sort of people, make it clear, put it out in the public, and let's uh, put it to bed for once and for all. But uh, yeah, well, you know, what's a form analyst anyway? Is it a bloke that reads the best bet? Am I a form analyst? Everyone's a form analyst. They, everyone that does form and forms about like everyone wants to do the form, wants to bet, and has got an opinion. But uh, I think the only three people that can decide an outcome of a race are the jockey, trainer, and vet. And I think if any uh, integrity issues need to be investigated further, that is where I'd start digging. Now, Dan, we'll push on to Randwick on Saturday. You are one of the best form analysts in the business, and the Australian Derby is a cracking race, and all of a sudden uh, the heavens have opened up, and it's gone. I think it's a heavy track now, and it's going to be a slow yep. track. We've got some market up market update there from topsport.com.au up on the screen now, and Darcy, market movers for race seven at Randwick. Yep, so we have Montefilia, $3.50 into $3.30, Skylab, $5, and Rocket Shade, $9 to $8.50. And the replay that you've requested here, Dan, is the Rose Hill Guineas last start. Viewers of the show will be very, very familiar with this. Uh, DK and I have been all over Johnny Walter about Skylab and Moanga, <laughs> and uh, here we see them just coming up the straight and talk us through the race here from your perspective. Yeah, look, I think the first thing to point out is that this is the, I think this is the form going into the race. This is the strongest form. Uh, we've got Malunga there who's going to the Doncaster. We've got Skylab, you know, working home under pressure a long way out and just sticks on. So it looks like he'll stay. Uh, Montefilia actually settled behind him in this race and, and worked home uh, really well. I, I like the way that she found the line also. Uh, important to note there, she was second up 1,400 to 2,000 metres. So she looks cherry ripe here, but... From my perspective, I think that's the former. I'm keen on both of those horses. Um, it's you know it's a logical thing to say they're the top two favourites, but I still think they're both overs in the mark. I think they're dominant over the other chances. Um, I am keen to on Montefilia. Um, she 
settled about three lengths behind Skylab in the Rose Hill Guineas. I think here she maps to settle in front of him. Um, there's certainly no reason why she shouldn't be in front of him in the run. Uh, she's got scope to improve towards some of her peak ratings from last prep, um, which are better than what Skylab's done so far. And I think it's worth noting that people point out that she, you know, so-called didn't stay in the Oaks last spring, but that was a brutally run race. Everything else around her in that race was beaten like 13 lengths or more, I think it was. So her efforts only beaten two and a half, I thought was enormous on the day. Um, she's come back well. She just looks set to peak over this trip. And as I said, most importantly, she maps to settle a lot closer than she did last start. Uh, I think the track on Saturday, if you look at the last few meetings, is going to be a track where you want to be off the fence, but you don't necessarily want to be looping wide from, from the turn. Most winners tend to, you know, if they're off the pace, sort of poke through around the bend and just in that sort of, you know, four lane four to eight off the fence just working through the field and then getting wide rather than making those big looping runs uh, widest on the track so i think she just maps to get a perfect run she's set to peak and, and is clearly going to be the one to beat uh, I'll, I'll be pricing her probably around the three dollar mark maybe even 290 i'll be around four dollars skylab as i said clearly the danger great run in the rose hill guineas um off that peak potentially still in the up looks like he'll stay uh, and i think they're just way better than the other horses in this race can you tell us anything about Rocket Spade, the Kiwi runner? Yeah, don't like him at all, uh, Skirt. I'm probably going to be 25 to 1. I don't think the New Zealand uh, Colts form is is any good this year over the staying trip. Um, we saw that he uh, just got home over the top of uh, Milford and, and the front man, I think it was, in the derby there. Um, they've both come here and done nothing. Um, for me, the way I do it, that's what my figures in New Zealand said, that while historically, you know, they are they do, you know, come here with imposing credentials. I don't think this is one of those years. So, um, you know, look, he may get under my guard and if he does, so be it. But the game's about opinions and I'll be strongly against him. Love that. Love the confidence. Anything there, Coco? Oh, no, we just got to kiss Skylab home for our old mate, <laughs> John. Johnny Walder. I don't know if he's done any form this week. He's been blowing with Optus all week on the Twitter every time, tagging him in, blowing. So, um, anyway, yeah, we're cheering home. But he did peg... He did pick Skylab as the as the uh, Derby horse did from a long way out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for a long way out. So yeah, we'll, def <laughs> we'll definitely be cheering that for Johnny Walter. But uh, very much respect what uh, uh, Daniel says here. Montefilia, I think uh, she looks like a cold spring, ready to roll here. And Annabelle Nisham, I love that she's dropped uh, Moanga back to the Doncaster. It was music to my ears when I heard that. I thought uh, sixteen hundred meters is right up his alley. Uh, instead of the Derby trip, and let's uh, let's push forward to the Doncaster. We've got odds up on the screen now. We've got uh, courtesy of topspot.com.au. Darcy, market movers, please. Yep. So we have Mugger two four dollars sixty to three dollars ninety. Moanga eight dollars to seven dollars, and Think It Over ten dollars into nine dollars fifty. Now Dan's asked for two replays here. The first one we've got is Think It Over in the Group One George Ryder. This is red hot form for the Doncaster. Talk us through this one. Yeah, look, I mean, Think It Over has been a bit of a revelation, this prep. I mean, I don't think we could have ever predicted that he'd win a group one weight for age race, but, but this win had plenty of merit. he come from back off them. He ran terrific sectionals. Um, the rating was there. Um, important to note that he, he doesn't get re-handicapped or penalised for that weight for age win. So he goes into this race as a group one weight for age winner. Um, with 52 or 52 and a half, I think it is. So on talent, he's he's certainly right there. And, and I think he's still a little bit of value in the market. Um, uh, the draw is a potential problem because I think he's going to be back and, and possibly come wide, which which I said isn't impossible, but I don't think it's going to be as ideal on the day as, as horses that are able to camp sort of within that five or six lengths and, and just be a little bit off the fence and, and poking through and not covering extra ground. But yeah, he's certainly right in the mix and I think the market's probably overreacted a little bit to to that barrier and I think he's you know close to double figure odds now which is probably a touch of overs um, because on form uh, he certainly profiles very well and historically if you just backed all horses in the Doncaster coming off weight for age run then you made a significant profit without doing anything else so that form line deserves a stack of respect. 
Mm, like the uh, the group one wait for age lead up, that's for sure. And you see, you know, you see these pathways and profiles of races. There's a little bit of uh, an edge there. You saw what happened in the Todman. That is the race that you use to go to the Slipper. And uh, the other replay here you've got, and which is probably a, a, you know, a much weaker race, is the uh, the Doncaster Prelude in historic terms. So it's a Group Two Doncaster, and you've got Yao Dash as the replay that you've queued up here. It's out in front with the blinkers leading. Yeah, look, I think this horse is just airborne. I mean, he, we saw as a three-year-old, he was only just off the likes of, of Bivouac and yes, yes, and Exceedance, who, you know, have gone down as one of the strongest three-year-old crops that, that we've had in, in the last sort of 10 or so years. And he, he lost his way a little bit, but his last couple of runs, he's well and truly come back to, to that level of form. Um, he absolutely smashed those horses, ran along at a solid speed and just kept running um, the start before he ran a similar rating and, and dropping right down in the weights here. For me, he comes up to a figure that puts him right in the mix. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, you know, talking off camera a bit before DK hit the nail on the head, you know, he's going to be up front. So that's a horse I'll always find. Um, for me, he's just an automatic bet in the race. Uh, he's got you know, figures that are up to the mark and, and he's going to be, you know, up there near the lead or, or in front. Um, of course, you can speculate about things about the Randwick Mile and pressure and all that sort of stuff. But I've found over time that there's a huge edge in those horses. As I said, for me, bets and, and most of my really good price winners that, that I back during the year have that sort of profile. So I definitely uh, want to be on him in the race. Uh, Mugger too. I'm probably going to be similar to the market there, so it's going to be hard to get on him, but I've got a huge amount of respect, um, obviously. He's one that I think he maps really well in this race, he, uh, even though he's, he's still at the mile. Just the way the map shape looks, I think he can hold a position somewhere in the front half of the field, and he sets up to get that type of run I spoke about before. He's just going to be able to poke through, look for gaps, and, and then sort of appear maybe you know 200 or 250 out, and, and we know he's the one that's going to be super strong at the mile. Uh, and that, that could be a huge factor on the day. So I'm not too sure what I'll do from a betting perspective. I'll definitely be on Yao Dash. Um, it's going to be hard to, to get on, on Mugatu, and it's not really my style to save, so I'll have to see sort of what happens there um, and, and possibly think it over. Um, one other one that I've found at really big odds is uh, Best of Days uh, from James Cummings Stable. Um, I think he's real. I'm going to mark him sort of $14, $15. I think he's more than double that price at the moment. Um, he was a close second in the weight for age Australian Cup last start. Um, with the big weight drop, his rating comes right up to the mark. He's actually been really, really consistent performer in his figures. And I think with that profile, and, and I do expect him to go forward from that barrier, it looks like a good map, especially with no weight, where he can end up <clears throat> somewhere within sort of three to four lengths of the lead. Uh, and when he does that, that's when he runs his best figures, like his best yeah, eight or nine ratings are all when he's, you know, within that sort of three to, to four and a half lengths off the lead. Um, and he just profiles like a horse at a good portion of the time. He's going to run to a level that puts him somewhere around the mark. And, and I think, you know, subsequently a percentage of those times he's going to stick his head out and, and win. And, and I think, yeah, in terms of long shot, I think he's the blowout in the race. Mm. Any thoughts there, DK? No, not really, no, Lever Danby Group One. It just looks like a great race, cracking race. I mean, cracking race, and um, just just on what Dan said about Yao Dash, and um, you pick up things from you know, like I said, we pick up the pearls from Mark Lamborn and things like that. Now, when I first started reading and getting to know about Dan O'Sullivan, the biggest thing you'll find if you read a lot of his articles, it puts a lot of public stuff out there. Is his horses on speed and a lot of stats and that his successes about that and. I just noted that the four winners I found for the DK subs last week hmm. all went forward. Yeah. You know, they all forward. They're all in the, well, I think three of them led and one was in the 1-1. One, one. And the one the 1-1 one, one was the one that really found some trouble. Hmm. So going forward, just have the odds in your favour, get them up there out of trouble. And um, yeah, that's one of the things that just keeps re get reinforced. And I, I picked it up probably off Dan O'Sullivan or reading his stuff reinforces hmm. it, you know. Mm. That's right. It's uh, it's uh, some fantastic analysis on the Betfair Hub there. There's a treasure trove of content that uh, Dan can make you a, a smarter, smarter punter. It's uh, hours and hours of reading. I spent a fortune on that. So make sure you check it out if you're trying to learn and improve on the game. Moanga, all of a sudden, he's uh, drawn t barrier 21. It looks like he's going to be miles back and... Uh, Dan sort of hit the nail on the head there. It may not be the best going. If he's going to have to hook wide, he might have to find sort of a you know the four to eight lane and sort of weave his way through. He's got to fly flies weight, 
uh, on board. But uh, again, as we've just said, it's uh, it's very difficult when you've got such a class field in front of you there. Uh, oh, sneaky, sneaky chance. I think this is a really tricky, sneaky prep. I'm going to uh, have a throw at the stumps at Dallas Ann. I think $51. I think this horse has got a lot of ability, and I think there's a, a good run over 2,000 metres behind, very elegant in his form line. So if he gets a suck run, uh, he could surprise, but... Uh, his cricket score odds that's for sure thank you for joining us dan uh it's always a pleasure and uh good luck over the carnival pleasure guys best of luck attack <laughs> start to launch okay we have got uh not much time left on the show so we'll just run through the top sport big bets they're just going to pop up on the screen now uh first one there does yeah so carbine club randwick race two number 12 kiku Three thousand at six dollars fifty. Going for three in a row, that horse. Yeah, nice size uh, bet there for sure. I haven't got to that race yet, so I can't offer well, any comment. So it looks looks well placed third up. It has won its last two, so there's nothing hidden about it. But um, looks on the up. Hmm. Next one. TJ Smith, Randwick, race eight, number one, Bivouac. Well, he seems the one they've looks... targeted in that race. Like they put the odds up, and all those nature strip and the good sprinters are all there, Eduardo, and the, he's the one they've come for early. That. Looks like they thought it was the overs. Mm, has right. has a really good draw here, um, as long as, you know, inside and on the fence is uh, the place to and be. Bossy off. Yeah. H. H. Bowman H. on it. Yeah, he's riding in really good form. He was great on uh, Mooga too. And the, the value runner that I sort of spec'd early in the week, I've, I've had something small on uh, September run. Mm. From that Mooney Valley run, I thought she was back in form. Uh, has a massive turn of foot, this horse. So $14 into 11 there, September run. Next one, please, Darcy. <laughs> Doncaster handicap, Randwick race nine, number nine, Agen, three thousand at fourteen dollars. Then we've got Randwick race nine, number nineteen, Moanga, five thousand dollars at seven dollars fifty. In interesting here with the rain. I'd say the rain's mm. come. That's what's helped inspire the uh, Agen bet. Um, he that track was too firm for him, mm -hmm. and that was in the noted way, so it didn't go as well. So um, New Zealander and Moanga loves the wet as well. He's one on a slow and a heavy as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He's going to get a long way back. But, yeah, uh, gate 21, some, though. Don't some good bets, pre-post bets. That's why mm. top sport are the best. What about, uh, what's the next ask? Caulfield Race 8, number 7, Vegas Knight, 1000 at $8.25. I don't, I don't mind that bet. Mm. Um, I know he, he doesn't win out of turn. He's only 2 from 28 or something like that, 2 from 23. Um, his last win was at this track and distance. Back uh, in that on that middle day of the Caulfield Carnival, mm. and he won by about four lengths yep. over the two thousand at Caulfield. So like apples to apples, we know the models like apples to apples. This is Caulfield two thousand, and I think he's upwards into his prep. So I don't mind that bet at those odds. Mm. He uh, he's got a horse that's always promised a lot, and as you say, he can bob up, uh, especially at Caulfield. It's been a uh, monster show. It feels like we've been here for a couple of days. Uh, <laughs> fantastic stuff. DK is back on board. I'm sure he'll have some out wide stuff. Not quite today, but we'll be up and going over the weekend. That's for sure. Absolutely, a dollar ten. It's the price for April. It's uh, it's unbelievable. He's four out of five winners. He'll be burning the midnight oil to get the winners for you. That's for sure. Das, any event launches this week? You got what's on the uh, social calendar? Yeah, You're back out. You're free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm actually going to an event tonight in mm. the CBD and then oh, yeah. another event on Sunday. Doesn't stop. <laughs> oh, back out of COVID and yeah. on fire. At BetDoctorTV is where you can find us on Twitter, BetDoctorTV on Apple and Spotify. And make sure you check out Little Birdie TV in the YouTube uh department there like us rate us follow us give us all your feedback slide into our dms uh we just love banter we love betting and we can't wait for the weekend's races hope we find a winner and hope you enjoyed the show see you guys see ya